0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Kristol. President Obama had a big announcement today about Afghanistan, troop levels, and America's commitment for the future. Bill, did it make sense to you?
1: No, it does not make sense to me to announce that we're going to get all of our troops out of there. Uh, I think by the end of 2016, he said, or during 2016, it just signals everyone that if we're not there to stay, that even if we talk about training and supporting the Afghans, that's temporary. And it's so irresponsible. Everything we invested there, much of it invested, blood and treasure invested at the uh, command of this president, who's increased by tens of thousands of the number of troops there. Uh, they fought hard. They really made great progress, had great success, as the president himself said, in Afghanistan at Bagram uh, over the weekend. And then he's just gonna—he's just signaling that we're we're getting out. Nothing about conditions on the ground, nothing about leaving five or 15,000 could really make a fundamental difference in the region. Just we're getting out.
0: Uh, and I've, you know, the the premise of the mission in Afghanistan has always thrown me off. I, I I know you and I disagree on this. To me, Iraq was the great mission in Afghanistan. We should have just. I'm I'm in the rubble, don't cause no trouble uh, caucus here.
1: Right. But
0: I mean, if you're using Afghanistan as a way to wage global war on terror, you know, uh, keeping an eye on our enemies in the Middle East or something like that, then I I. I, I don't understand how this deployment makes sense. It's like a—it really, truly is a domestic Afghanistan deployment, almost. A, you know, saying to Germany and Japan after World War II, "We're going to stay here and get you back on your feet." There's never been an Afghanistan government to get on its feet, has there? Well,
1: there will be a new government pretty soon, and actually, ironically, the two rather pro-American candidates—one uh, of the two—will be the next uh, head of the government there. It's a weak government; it's a, it's a unstable and difficult situation there, but we had made real progress. The elections have come off. And again, whatever we might have done three years ago or five years ago, he's the one who increased our commitment to Afghanistan, increased the number of troops. He could have gradually withdrawn beginning in 2009. Uh, there's no rationale for withdrawing totally now that wasn't there four or five years ago, I don't think. So um, I just uh, dread what happened in Afghanistan in 2016, 2017. I. I think the implications for Pakistan and elsewhere in the region are bad. It's a, it's a bad region to start with. It's, it can only get worse with this announcement. Uh, surely the Russians, the Chinese, the Pakistanis themselves, the Indians are all on the phone to uh, the next Afghan prime minister or the candidates to be the next Afghan prime minister say, saying, See, we told you so. Right. I can't trust the Americans, so they're getting out. Cut the best deal you can with me. And part of that deal could well be safe havens for al-Qaeda and, and everything else.
0: You know, a uh, casual glance at the world shows that things are going poorly, that there are a lot of messes out there and it's getting messier. Wouldn't a common sense strategy be to say we're going to go to the areas where these messes are, like Eastern Europe, and our friends are in Poland and the uh, uh, you know, Estonia, Latvia, etc. And we're going to stand with you. We're going to go in if we have an opportunity to be in the Middle East. We're really going to be in the Middle East to try to, you know, be on the right side when these messes show up and make a difference, as opposed to simply saying, "Oh my gosh, look at the mess. Let's run."
1: Well, President Obama seems to think, A, we often contribute to these messes, and we make things worse. He has said that in the past. And B, that in any case, the American public doesn't have the stomach, or I think that's just an excuse, really. Uh, he doesn't have the will to, to do anything that requires some difficult choices. Uh, he's managed to, you know, got us entirely out of Iraq. He didn't pay any price for that, in, uh, apparently, in public opinion. Even Syria, the red line, and then the failure to enforce it, he sort of survived that, so... I guess they think, you know, <laughs> excuse me, and retreating is kind of cost free politically and I guess it's all politics for them. I mean, maybe he thinks, I hope, I guess I hope in a way if a, since he's the president of the United States that he honestly thinks he's doing the right thing here that he's not just uh, accommodating uh, you know what he regards as a war-weary public opinion at home. It's going to be very bad in 2016. The Republicans will have a tough, will be put in a tough position. I mean, it's a clever political move by Obama. They'll get all the troops out in the summer of 2016. But the Republican presidential candidate in the position of saying, of answering the question, well, would you send troops back in? I mean, why are you critical right. of President Obama? So he's, and presumably Hillary Clinton will say, yes, we, we managed that responsibly. We may not see the terrible effects till 2017. I mean, the degree to which he is kicking cans down the road that are going to explode the moment he leaves office, whether it's the Iranian nuclear program uh, or what happens on the ground in Afghanistan, what's beginning to happen on the ground in Iraq. Uh, he seems to me to be someone who's concerned about it. His is eight years. Not look too awful, but he doesn't seem to care very much about what happens after them.
0: Uh, meanwhile, there were some major political upheavals in Europe, and Americans barely pay attention to American elections, Bill, much less European ones. But uh, if you casually watch or, or read the uh, the coverage, it's fascists rise up across Europe. Is that really the story?
1: no uh, anti european elite parties, populist parties, nationalist parties, kind of tea party type parties i 'd say have risen up across Europe. Some of them have some more disreputable elements <coughs> excuse me have, cough, have some more disreputable elements uh, in those parties than our tea parties do. There are some quasi fascist sort of intolerant, xenophobic aspects to some of those parties, and some of the parties are different from others but uh, UKIP, the uh, Independence Party in, in the United K- Kingdom, is, a, I think, mostly respectable party, got a huge number of votes. What it shows to me is the degree of unhappiness with the elites and the degree of sense of being bossed around by a bunch of uh, bureaucrats in Brussels who were doing things regardless of popular opinion, regardless of national heritage, regard, regardless of, of uh, de- even democratic forms. And and I do wonder whether something like that could happen here. I got two emails within uh, yesterday, basically after the votes were counted, both from Republican sort of strategists, political, you know, uh, uh, grizzled political operatives, I would say, happened to be in Midwestern states, and one of them wrote, <coughs> excuse me, um, why couldn't UKIP happen in the U.S., basically, he said. You know, could you have an independent candidate here, a third-party-type candidate, a Ross Perot-type Campaign, and there's so much dis- disaffection with both major parties. And that was really the story of Europe. You know, that in most of these European elections, the quote, conservative party isn't conservative. It's not populist. It doesn't reflect patriotic sentiment. It doesn't reflect a sentiment that we don't want to be governed by bureaucrats and experts in Brussels. And one might say the same about some parts of the Republican Party here. The Republican Party here is better on the whole because it's incorporated more of the Tea Party sentiment. Another Republican from another state out in the Midwest wrote, out here in flyover country. The same feeling that motivates these European voters is bubbling forth, big time. We need a dose of economic populism that makes sense to the citizens. If not, the demagoguery of the left will carry the national election in 2016. So I think it's, I hope it's a bit of a wake-up call to the Republican establishment. Um, we should be grateful that our Tea Party is democratic and, and liberty-respecting, doesn't have uh, the kind of dubious elements that some of these European parties have. We should be grateful that our, <coughs> our Tea Party, Wants to work within the Republican Party. I mean, that's very important, but we can't take that for granted. And I think the degree to which Republicans need to be serious about having a Middle America, Main Street type message, these European elections should really bring that home to the Republicans.
0: And the issue that really resonates, in my opinion, with the you know the kind of the populist you know who's taking care of just regular working guy is the issue of illegal immigration, which is viewed, I believe, by the kind of voters who would be tempted to say a pox in both houses as a vote-getter for Democrats. They just are counting on kind of race-based coalition voting. And then Chamber of Commerce uh, voting by Republicans. And and the idea that the Republicans are going to touch that you know, wire that red hot wire in this climate. I just don't think they understand, uh, Bill, the, the Washington guys, the Jeb Bush guys, just how hot that is. Not because of the issue of the specific illegal immigrants, most people I talk to have no strong passion about them as people, but the idea of the unfairness of it and the struggle that their kids are having trying to find entry level or you know, mid, just regular working guy jobs, and they're having to compete with people who shouldn't even be on the playing field.
1: And the Republicans, almost all of them running for Congress and for the Senate, said they would not be for amnesty, that they would watch out for the interests of working Americans. I think if they now <coughs> excuse me, find a way to reverse course in immigration and sort of now that the primaries are over, let something get passed, let something go through... Uh, even if it's you know, cut some deal behind the scenes with the Democrats, under pressure from the Chamber of Commerce, I totally agree with you. The Republican establishment wildly underestimates the kind of rebellion there would be. It would be like Europe then. There would be a sense not just that they don't quite agree with elements of the National Republican Party, but that they've been betrayed, that they were fooled, they were suckered, they were taken for granted. That as the moment the deal in the primaries passed, the the they they cut the deal they wanted with the big business interests and with the Democrats. That could lead to a third-party cha- kind of challenge in 2015 and 16, and one that could really de- destroy Republican hopes of winning the presidency. So I-, I couldn't agree with you more. Immigration is not, especially in this climate, and especially when they don't have Democratic legitimacy, Democratic right. little seat to do it. They- no one's gone to the Republican electorate and said, uh, this is the deal we want to cut. Do you support it? And until candidates do that and get elected on that, I think they need to say, say no to everybody to this and, version of immigration reform.
0: And you know the the uh, talking about entrepreneurship and pointing out the guys who make a you know million dollars off a great idea obviously that's key to the economy and it's important but that's not how 98% of potential republican voters live. They live in the real world of modest jobs and you know paying the bills and and uh, I get I think they get a real sense that you've got kind of a club for growth vision that's that's economic for them pie in the sky that is it's very unlikely for them or there's a give all the money away vision on their left that says anyone in the middle class who makes a dollar we're going to take half of it and give it to somebody you know as part of a social program and they're wondering is there anybody who speaks for that vast you know swath of voters in between
1: yeah I was talking with one Republican candidate over the weekend said he was thinking of making a slogan kind of a populist slogan uh, no bailouts no handouts And I think that would be popular to a working majority of Americans. And I really hope something like that becomes, and the spirit of that becomes the Republican message in 2014 and 2015 and 2016. I think that's a winning message, but it's not something the elites are entirely comfortable with.
0: You're absolutely right, but we saw it happen to the elites. I mean, the idea that uh, for the first time in more than 100 years, an election was won in Britain, not by the Tories or by the liberals, but by a third group is just phenomenal. I hope we learned the lesson. Thanks for your time, Bill. Appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. This has been the Weekly Standard pod- podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.